Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. What a beautiful, beautiful service we've had already. And God is just beginning. Amen. I've recognized a few things of spiritual battle since we have been here. And sometimes it's easy when you live in a place to just get comfortable with the battle and think, oh, that's that's just me. But there's a spiritual battle geographically here that I want to identify. And Sister Charity spoke very well concerning it this morning. There is a spirit of intimidation so that you are afraid to be who you are in God. That you are less than what you... And the Spirit wants to intimidate that timidity, that anxiety. There's also a battle that is coming against covenants. Covenant-destroying spirit that is in this area. It wants to destroy your marriages. It wants to come against husband and wife and destroy the covenant between the children and the father and the children and the mother. And it's a covenant-destroying. want to destroy your covenant with God, your covenant with pastor. And things will work to come against that. And so we have to understand, well, it's not that my wife is just hormonal today. The enemy wants to destroy a covenant. So we've got to recognize it and have be aware of it and come against that and not let that happen in our lives. And then also I'm recognizing a despair or a depression. And this is not you or your personality because you're melancholy or whatever. There is a spiritual battle in this area to try to make you depressed and feel like you have no hope and thoughts of suicide to come upon you. But the Spirit of God is here and greater is He that is in you than he that's in this world. And there's an authority in this church that even if you don't think you have the power, you can come here and there's power here to help you. I feel like God has given me a key to unlock authority and over this and dimension over these spiritual powers that we're feeling in this house. And so once again, let us thank you. My wife and I thank you for all of your kindness to us. And I mean, they put us in a mansion, 10 bedrooms and 14 baths and not quite, but it has been very comfortable for us. And uh, we appreciate the kindness of that, even if it smells like burnt peanuts. Just kidding, you have to know the joke. And also, uh, you've been so kind to us in fellowship. And all of you have welcomed us so much and loved on us and hugged on us. And so we, uh, we've been thrilled to be here and look forward to God directing us back again among you in ministry. And just want to give high, high honor to your pastor. What a man of compassion, deep compassion. And um, powerful anointing on his life and, of course, his beautiful bride. We love and appreciate them and their children. And so glad to be with you today. Uh, my wife has been here 
Although you've not heard her speak, she can speak to you from the table back there. I, I just want to highlight this one real quick. This is a prayer keeper that has been produced for our children. And so the first time that you would go through this with your child or your grandchild, or stickers in here and other things that you can do, but this is a good page, for example. Graphics have been put together by my wife and another couple that helped her. This is like a family tree. So the first time you go through this with your children, you, you put your picture, your name, or your family in these areas. And later, when the child goes through this all by themselves, they pick up and they go to this page and like, oh, this is where I pray for Papa. This is where I pray for Mama. The next page will be a good place to put Pastor and his family in. Maybe the church. This is where I pray for Ephesus. This is where I pray for the harvest. So this is a way that we can uh, direct our children in how and what to pray for. And then they have their prayer keeper that every day they go through it. So we have that and, of course, lots of things for adults. I believe we've sold out of the women's books, but you can order it online. We'll ship it to you at no cost. And also we've got great books and things that would be a blessing to you. So make yourself available to that. We'll be packing it up after service and selling all of it at the next place place we go to so you want to get a hold of that quickly look with me mark chapter 2 mark chapter 2 and let's begin reading at verse 1 thank you my sister mark chapter 2 verse 1 and again jesus entered into capernaum after some days and it was noised that he was in the house <laughs> Where I'm come from, they'd say he was up in him. Straightway, many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. Somebody say full house. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. Somebody say four of a kind. When they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. When they broke it up, they let down the bed where in the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, that's very key today. When he saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there, reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? It's like a no-duh, right? This is God. That's right. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit, that's just a way that says he operated in the Holy Ghost or the gifts of the Spirit, they reasoned within themselves. He said unto them, Why reason you these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise, take up thy bed and walk? He said, I just spoke something that was spiritual and unseen. But I'm asking you, which is harder, to believe that or to believe something that you physically see as I speak healing? Verse 10. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, 
went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, He blew our minds today. Yeah. Been to church service a lot of times, but never seen something like that. We never saw it on this fashion. There's a faith expectation in my heart that if we'll get a hold of this key in the Spirit, we'll walk away from this saying the same thing. Never had church service like that. that that's the greatest thing, the most powerful thing that we have been a part of. So maybe we'll remember if I title it this, Four of a Kind, Trump's a full house. <laughs> four with one spirit, one attitude. The house is full, but four of a kind. Trump's a full house. God bless you. You may be seated. Just loosen your tie a little bit if you wore one like Pastor did today. And, and uh, just get ready to get a little loose in the Holy Ghost. Is that all right? I want you to get comfortable in the spirit. There are several natural desires that mankind was created with by God and man uses this desires for fleshly or natural reasons sometimes sinful reasons but God created it for a holy reason and uh, let, let me just share with you there's a natural desire that God has put in all of us and that's that's the desire to find a hero and in finding a hero wanting to lift them up and exalt them or even worship them. Now, this is what God hath put within us, but mankind uses it for other things. This is why, is it DC Comics or Marvel Comics is making multiplied millions of dollars off crazy thought-up fictitious characters like Superman. Superman. Trying to think of the phrase. Yeah, what is it? Stronger, more powerful than a locomotive. <laughs> Able to leap buildings at a single bound. You know, Superman. And somehow that he's from some far planet and, and the yellow sun of heart. I mean, it's just a crazy idea. But we get caught up in that because, man, that's cool. <laughs> Wonder Woman. I'm trying to help all generations. Mighty Mouse, the Green Lantern. You know, one that blows me away is Spider-Man. Because it's a nerd, right, that gets bit by a radioactive spider. Instead of being infected and swelling up and having to cut his arm off, Pastor, he, he gets these special powers. Ridiculous. But cool, you know. So he's got this spotty sense, and he's got this web, and he can swing from left. You know, it is awesome stuff, and we naturally get caught up in that because within us, God created this desire to find heroes. It's why we pay ungodly sums to professional athletes. Multi-millions of dollars. Basketball players and football and now it's got into college. It's crazy the NIL stuff that's happening and the amount that college kids are getting to play football for universities. But it is there within us. But not so that we would worship a particular quarterback or that we would somehow think that Spider-Man is everything in this world. But God put that in us 
so that we would find the one that can really save us, the one that can heal us, the one that can put our marriages back together and deliver us. It's to find the true hero in Jesus Christ and worship him because there's no one like him. So, so you're beginning to see where we're going here, that natural desires that God created mankind with, and man use it for other reasons, but there's a holy reason for it. Yeah. The next thing I bring your attention to is that all of us have been created with a search for true love. That's T-R-U-L-U-V, true love. <laughs> Not just a fatuation, right? true love. And all of us have that within us that somehow we have the thoughts that we're going to find that one individual that completes us our oyster in the half shell. I hope I didn't say something dirty. You don't even know anymore, you know. Is it? That, that, that one that we fall in love with and we're head over heels and, and Hollywood has absolutely taken this desire that's in all of us and has warped it for the sake of money. And entertainment is okay in its right place. And you know the typical story. It's an unexpected, unlooked-for love. But at first sight, you had me at hello. And you realize this is the one you've always looked for since your heart began to beat in your mother's womb. But then inevitably in the story, there's miscommunication or mistiming. And now you can't get a hold and they can't talk. And, and all of a sudden you're devastated. You won't be able to live another day because your loved one is gone. And then hopefully at the end of the story, they wrap it up with a little red, yellow ribbon. And, you know, they find each other again. Everything's forgiven. And they ride off in the sunset. Shrek and Fiona. You know, it's uh, Romeo and Juliet. It's, it's the stories. And absolutely billions of dollars are made off fictitious stories by acted out characters that sometimes and often they don't even like each other they're acting and oftentimes these actors don't even like the opposite sex that they're acting out the story for was that too harsh? But they're making multi-billions of dollars. But God put this within us, not so we could find entertainment or believe that there's only one for all of us, but he put that within us because there's no greater love than any man but he that would give his life for his friends. And that while we were yet unlovable and sinners, he died for us. He loved. That's a true love. And within us is a desire to find that true love. God put that there so we would search him out. There's a, another um, thing that God created all of us with that, well, it's, um, it's uh, you know, it's a desire to, to dance, to get a little groovy with the music. <laughs> Now, you're looking at me like, you know, I'm being blasphemous here, but I watched you. I, yeah, we, we were playing, and we, it wasn't just because you were loving the words. But you're getting your little Pentecostal deal on there. And some of you got a little more jive than some of us, but Lois can dance in her heart. And she can dance otherwise, but not everybody wants to watch that. 
But dancing is within all of us, even all those that ain't, you know, got a lot of rhythm. I mean, it is crazy. You, you can be going through Walmart for crying out loud, and they'll, Christmas time will have the songs so loud, and before you know it, you're pushing your buggy down. <laughs> you realize you just passed the cereal aisle, so you do a little moonwalk to get your Fruit Loops. And it's, it's just the music. Might not even be songs that you've heard before, but I mean, I, I remember I was at an Applebee's and, you know, they say that confession's good for the soul, so I'm trying to get some goodness here. And sometimes we go to Applebee's, pastor and evangelist after service because it's the only thing open, right? And so now they've got this deal that after... I don't know, after nine or so, they turn the music way up because they think that they're reaching to a more rowdy, you know, bar crowd. And so the music is so loud at Applebee's late at night after church service. I was there, I think it was just Pastor and I, and they were, they got on some of these 80s songs. I'm sorry, that was a BC jam for me before Christ, right? And so I, I'm, I'm trying not to, but my foot is just kind of... <laughs> And I thought, oh, oh my goodness, I got, I got you know, a pastor here. He don't even know me that well. But I looked over at him, and he was kind of doing this right here. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking, my goodness. And so I just started drumming a little bit. And before I knew it, I was banging my head on the table. And, Hot bloody, check it and see. I mean, we just... <laughs> Something about the music just gets us moving and grooving a little bit. But God put that within all of us. Because long before they were doing the mashed potato and the twist and the do si -do, long before the tango and the line, and the Bible said David danced before the Lord with all of his might, and it was pleasing unto God. Can I tell you how pleased God is when you start moving a little bit even with the music because you have joy in his presence and you love him and want to express that to him. Now in the old days, I'm dating myself. We Pentecostals would have two services on Sunday. Sunday morning service, and I get some elders saying, come on. And we had a Sunday night, so Sunday morning was teaching and then community service. Sunday night was celebration time. I think we deal with doubt and fear more than we should because we don't have enough celebration going on in the church. We need to sing about heaven again because we need to have joy and celebrate where we're going. We need to know how good he has been and celebrate. We need to go back to dancing a little more and lifting our voice and running the aisles because we're grateful of what God has done. Hey, I think I can stay there a little bit. There's another thing that God put within all of us. And for lack of a better terminology, I'm just going to say that within all of us is a desire to gamble. <laughs> now, what I mean by that is this. We all desire to seemingly invest something seemingly small with the hopes that we're going to gain a dividend of reward that's bigger than life. <laughs> oh, that, that's a good investment. Let me invest three cents because I'm going to be a millionaire. 
And we've got this within us that if we just hear something, is that an insider trader? Yet we perk up. Or even the things that we buy or invest in because within all of us, it is absolutely a gambling spirit. Now, I really don't know a lot about gambling, and most of what I learned about gambling, I learned from this old troubadour, and he taught me this. He said, um, he said, every gambler knows that the secret to survival is knowing what to throw away and knowing what to keep. Every hen's a winner, every hen's a loser. The best you can hope for is to die in your sleep. You've got no one home. Never count your money sitting at the table. Time. Some of you know that that's Brother Kenneth Rogers that taught me that. I don't know a lot about gambling, but this I learned from Google about the lottery, the mega lottery that's a multi-state, that you actually have a better chance of being in a car accident, a plane wreck, plus struck by lightning twice than winning that lottery. My goodness. And it makes multiplied mega millions every month or so. The statistics of a seven-number lottery in digits ranging from zero to 99 are 1 in 14 billion, 887 million, 31,544. You realize there's only 8 billion people in the world, but the chance you win in that lottery is 1 in 14 billion, 887 million, 31,544. Chances. Now, if, if you're here today and expecting, anybody want to confess that? Anybody want to be expecting? We can pray the prayer of faith. Right, just the man in the back there. That's all right. I'm not praying that prayer of faith. I'll tell you that right now. If you are expecting to have a child, the chance of you having quadruplets, four, is what? <laughs> nope, she said. One in 705,000. Whoa, every 705,000 quadruplets are born. But the chance you win this lottery is 1 in 14 billion, 807 million, 31,544. Now, if you eat oysters or slurp them, as the case may be, eat 12,000 oysters, and your chances you'll find one pearl. 12,000. I mean, that's not many, right? 12,000. You won't be able to keep your socks up. But 12,000 oysters, and you'll find one pearl. But the chance you win in the lottery, 1 in 14 billion, 807 million, 31,544. The statistical truth is this. If you take a rope that's 1,257 feet long. Now, if you have a hard time fathoming that, that's over three football fields long. Take a rope over three football fields long, move it into a circle. Then randomly drop one grain of sand in that large circle. Now blindfold yourself, get one more grain of sand, spin around until you're totally disoriented, stumble into that huge circle, and drop that second grain of sand. And the chance of it landing directly upon the first grain of sand is equal to you winning this lottery. Unbelievably small chances 
My idea is this. Some people have said, play the lottery if you want, but if you win, it's double tithes. Yeah. <laughs> and you got to pay off the building program. I'm just throwing that one in. But I think that that might be a very poor stewardship because the chances are so little. I think I want to invest instead of $1 at the convenience store, put a $1 in the offering because that's an eternal investment. Go ahead and sacrifice for the building program. That's an eternal, not just something we'll have here. That's an eternal investment. So that's the gambling spirit. But this is what I have found out about the Word of God, is that God loves someone who's willing to gamble and go all in concerning the things of God. He commands us, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might. Don't, don't just, just try to touch it. Just jump all in. Put everything on the table. Don't hold back. Just go for it. This is the way David declares we should praise him. We should bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that's within me. I know he loves a halal praise, which means to rant and to rave at the top of your lungs about the goodness of God. I know he wants us to sell out. Not my will, but thine be done. And I know, I know four of a kind trumps a full house. Not just because of some card game or whatever it might be, but because that's what Mark chapter 2 is telling us. So look at context here. It's the second chapter of the gospel. And Mark has told us that Jesus began his ministry. Miracles were happening in that eight-mile radius of Bethsaida, Capernaum, etc. And now Jesus has gone away for a short time. And now he's coming back to Capernaum. And they hear that he is coming to town. So everything that he has done has been a testimony. And you can believe anybody that's sick or needy is trying to get where Jesus is. But he doesn't rent out the civic center or go to the synagogue. He goes to Simon and Andrew's house. And the whole town thinks, I'm invited. <laughs> so they show up. I hope they clean the garage, you know, and all the things they're supposed to do. And the whole town is trying to get in this house. The Bible said that there was no room. Now, my imagination thinks that perhaps uh, the scribes, as we see that they are in the house, perhaps because they were being kind or respectful, the scribes, the Pharisees, they've got the couch and the lazy boy, but, but everybody else just has to stand shoulder to shoulder like it's New York Times Square. And uh, people are looking through the window until there's no hope to get in the windows and the door has bodies all around it people trying to it is completely full no room even about the door but as this place is beginning to fill up so packed Jesus is teaching the word to them there are four friends that are there uh, and they they've got a friend that most likely is completely paralyzed from his neck down he has to be carried everywhere he goes. And they think, if we can get our friend to Jesus, we have seen and maybe we have personally experienced that when we get in his presence, we will never be the same again. So this is faith. 
when the four friends not only believe that, but now faith with works is happening when they say we will do whatever we have to do, whatever cost we have to, to get our friend in the presence of Jesus. So the four of them go find their friend, and he's on the cot. So they each, I think, must have took a corner, and they carry him to where the house is. Now, when they get to the house, you know, it's like Black Friday, right? There's a line out the door, and there's no way to get in. And so maybe they're like, well, hey, can you give us ups? Look, we've got a severe need here. And maybe the ones in line were saying, hey, I got a headache. You get back to the line. You know, it's no compassion there. So they realize that they've got to think a little out of the box. Not as much as what we would think, though. Because they decide that if we can get to the roof, we could probably lower our friend to Jesus. Now, I'm not preaching tear off the roof in a typical way, but hang with me here, okay? And so this is not such a crazy idea because in this time, they would build houses with parapets. So I don't want you to think of um, the house like a bamboo and thatched roof. That's not what it was like. Uh, they built it like a second-story floor. That has no roof over it. That's why they built the railing around it. So they could sleep there at night if the weather was pretty enough or socialize there in the day with friends that would come over. So it was not uncommon in houses that, uh, you know, were a little more nice to have an inner staircase. So when they think we'll get up on top of the roof, that wasn't such a crazy idea. So they found what must have been an outside staircase, and they get up on top of the roof, but alas, and no inner staircase. So they decided they took an executive demotion here, and they're going to remodel Simon and Andrew's house without their permission. <laughs> we have got to get our friend to Jesus, so we're going to tear off the roof. Now understand, it's like a floor. So whatever equipment and tools they had to get, they went and got the tools and the equipment, and they began construction while Jesus is down in the room preaching. Now, understand at that time, they didn't have microphones, so it was extremely difficult for anybody to hear. Extremely difficult to hear. So if there's any noise up on the roof, now it becomes very distracting. They should have sent ushers up to throw people off. So it's noisy, and it must have been upsetting. And now they've got to focus even more. But when they break through the barrier, construction debris has to be falling in the hair of the scribes. This was totally going too far. This was not culturally accepted. This was rude. But they would do whatever they had to do to get their friend to Jesus. When they got a six by two, must have been at least that large, they lowered their friend down the cot. And a building that is completely full, faces at the door, no way to get in. With that kind of desperation, there seems to be enough room for that kind of faith to operate even in a full house. The Bible says Jesus saw their faith. Do you know how powerful your faith is for somebody sitting beside you? That you can bring salvation faith journey for somebody else if you have that kind of faith. That the miraculous can be moving in this place for somebody else if you have that kind of faith. Jesus saw their faith, the boys on the roof, and he turned to the man on the cot and said, Son, 
thy sins be forgiven thee. Wow! But the boys on the roof must have been saying, Jesus, you called him out, but you missed that one. Should have been a clue when we lowered him on a cot that it came for healing, not for his sins to be forgiven. Sometimes we think we know what we need when we come into his presence. But if we would allow the presence of God to begin to speak to us, he would not only heal what he knows we need, but touch the places in our life that we have come with desperation for. And then Jesus speaks to the scribes and says, Your faith is that only God can forgive sins. But let me demonstrate what you can physically see with your eyes so that you'll know I'm the God that you're saying can forgive sins. And he turns to the man, sick of palsy, and he said, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And the old boy rolled out of his cot like he had always had strength and never been paralyzed. He didn't shimmy back up the ropes. The house is full, but that type of miracle, there's room for that. And like the Red Sea parting, people squished a little closer, and he was able to walk out the door and down that Black Friday line. Everybody sees the miracle of what God did because of their friends. Four of a kind trumps a full house. I was preaching in uh, actually southern Wisconsin, and during the altar service, an elderly lady came up to me, powerful saint of God. I'll never forget what she said when she said, I've been diagnosed with cancer in my saliva glands. Now, I knew cancer gets into glands a lot. I never heard of it in saliva gland at that time. And she said, I believe that God will heal me. My faith was high. Her faith was high. I, I went behind the podium like a lot of churches do. And I'm looking for the oil because, you know, there's a lot of faith in obeying James. Even, even if it's out of context, a lot of faith in obeying James. I'll preach about that sometime. And so I looked for the oil I wanted to find. And while I'm rummaging around trying to find it, I noticed that there were four precious saints of God that were considered elders in the church that saw what was happening and they come up behind their sister and some of them laid hands on her back and they were already Woo! I mean they, they were already praying and God, I'm thinking if I don't get that all that's going to happen before I get to lay hands on her so I'm looking I want to be a part of this so I'm looking for the hole and finally I got some and before I laid hands on her head I was already feeling her healing virtue flow as them four ladies were praying in the Holy Ghost and moving under the power of the Spirit and I simply laid hands on her head with that anointing and said in the name of Jesus and I felt that virtue flow after we prayed a little bit I said mama I know what it feels like when healing virtue begins to move and flow I felt that you are healed and she said I know that you are right. I've got an appointment with the doctor and I'm going to make sure that he takes tests. We're not doing any surgery going any further till we test again. She goes back to the doctor and he's not a believer and she said, oh yeah, we're not going further. He did his test again. It was some time before they come back results and he said, you're right. There's no cancer whatsoever in your saliva gland. Now, <clears throat> no cancer anywhere in your body. She said that when the doctor said that, she remembered something about that prayer. 
She remembered that uh, as I went to pray for her, often had a handkerchief in my hand, and she said, I felt the handkerchief fall out of your hand because it hit my shoulder and, and brushed my dress and fell to the ground. After we prayed, she said, I went to pick it up and give it back to you. It wasn't on the ground. I figured somebody else already got it before you. But when the doctor said you are healed, God reminded me of that and told me I was feeling the cancer fall off of my body, crush my dress and fall to the ground. It was an instantaneous miracle because four ladies with anointing that knew how to pray, it didn't matter. The diagnosis was full. Four of a kind still trump a full house. My God, that's the kind of power in this house today. I was preaching the upper Midwest. And as I was ministering, I kept looking back on the back row over here. And the Holy Ghost finally stopped me in the middle of my message and I spoke prophetically to him. I said, sir, you want the Holy Ghost, don't you? And he looked at me and he's like, me? I said, yeah, you want the Holy Ghost, don't you? And he's like, yes, I do. I said, well, get on down here. You're going to get it. He stood up and started start. I'm in the middle of a, a sermon. He, he walks down, and when the church saw who that was, there was a noticeable, audible gasp. <gasps> because he had been tarrying for the Holy Ghost for 18 years. Now, I do not believe in tarrying because the Bible lets us know it was poured out on the day of Pentecost, and now it's for whosoever will. Sometimes pride keeps us from receiving the Holy Ghost. Sometimes unrepentance keeps us from receiving the Holy Ghost. But he had thought he had tried for 18. He had wore out the saints of the Most High God trying to pray him through the Holy Ghost. Finally, he decided, I'm going to quit praying, quit going to the altar. I'm just going to try to be a good person. And he came to church every service, 18 years. And now he's walking down the front, and the church is like, oh, no, what are we going to do when this doesn't happen? <laughs> when he came down to the front, he stood right here as I'm behind the pulpit. And he said, I'm ready. And I said, uh, it's what you have to do. Now, understand, this is a word of wisdom for that man at that time. It's, it's not a biblical doctrine. A word of wisdom for that man at that time. And I said, sir, you want to see the Holy Ghost? Then you need to jump as high as you can three times. And you need to shout hallelujah as loud as you can. And he said, that's it. I said, do that. You're going to have the Holy Ghost. He said, that's what I have to do. I said, that's it. He said, okay. And he kind of did this number. He was like, hallelujah. And I said, oh, come on. Is that as high as you can jump? Is that as loud as you can shout? And he's, he's getting a little embarrassed. But the pride is what he's dealing with. And so he said, I think I can jump a little higher. And so he jumped a little higher. Hallelujah. And I said, come on, man. My grandma jumps higher than that. I think I literally said that to him. And he's all embarrassed. But about that time, there were four young men sitting on that front row on this side that couldn't handle it anymore. And they started leaping. And some of them would have been pretty good basketball players. They're leaping. Their heads are coming close to that short ceiling. And they're shouting, hallelujah, hallelujah. And when he turned and saw them, he thought, I can join with what they're doing. And with everything within him, he leapt off the ground. He started shouting, hallelujah. But before he could hallelujah, he was 
speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. Eighteen years of frustration and tearing before the kind tropical house. We're getting there. I was about 14 or 15 years of age in my home church in Atlanta years, well, a few years ago now, not many. And uh, I'll tell you that at that time, I was not the most spiritual young man in the church. In fact, pre-service prayer was going on in a designated room, and I was out in the foyer talking to the other guys that was carnal as I was about weather, sports, women, you know, all my knowledge at 15 years of age. <laughs> and while we're just yakking and people are praying, and we're just waiting for church. Well, Doug comes to talk to us. Doug's a couple of years older than we were. And, and if, you know, if we were carnal as that door, Doug, Doug would have been two doors. I mean, he's a roller coaster in and out all the time, just Dougie. And Dougie came up to us and he said, Hey guys, tonight I want you to know that I'm sick and tired of not living for God like I should. And I've got things in my life that I need God to help me with. And I am going to worship Him tonight with everything I have. And I'm going to give Him praise like I never have before. And we were blown away. I mean, this is two-door Dougie, right? And we're like, Bubba. Come on, man. We're so proud of you. You know, all the things that we would say. And he said, no, no, no. He, he said, I, I'm talking to you because when we start service, I'm leaping out of my seat and I'm going to run around this auditorium as a sign of my hunger and my worship and my praise to God. And I'm not going to stop until I break through. And we're like, yeah, okay, that's awesome. And he said, I need you to help me. Will you run with me? And we're like, yeah, buddy. We, we, Doug's not going to do this, I'm telling you. He's, there's no way. So we're like, we're right behind you. This is going to be your day, Bubba. We started church service. It had been 10, 15 minutes, and we had that conversation. We forgot all about that. And Sister Rosser, you know, we had the big organs at the time. And Sister Rosser begins playing the beginning of the service, and she starts playing the slowest rendition of Amazing Grace that you've ever heard in your life. Uh, it was slow and Doug jumps up second row where he's been sitting pastor had all the young men that were unmarried the first five rows on the right and all the young ladies first five rows he thought with less confusion maybe we'd get a little more of God Doug jumps up and takes off running my first thought is look at David oh I remembered what I told him. And I'll tell you, my second thought honestly was this. Well, I'm not doing too good in God, so I'm just going to lie. I'm not doing nothing to follow Dougie. But then that gambling thing that deep inside me had always wondered if I pushed past my pride and intimidation and worship God with everything what possibly could I gain what could God do in my life of confusion if I just go for it just one service just one time go for it 
and gambler that I was, I jumped to my feet and I thought, you know what? Doug is slow. I can catch him before we get to the back of the church. To my surprise, when I took off and started running, behind me was Stevie. And then Danny came. Danny kicked off his shoes because country boy don't run with shoes on. Here come Danny, toes just a dig in the carpet. And the four of us began to wrap that church. When Sister Rosser looked up from Zingre and saw the young men running, two door, one door, one door, I mean, it was just, she picked up the pace a little bit. Grace, how sweet the sound I saved the rest of the man. And she couldn't sing it or play it faster, so she just got off the organ and started worshiping. Woo! Everybody's wondering, why, what is going on? And then they saw four young men getting everything they had. When we got to this side, the ladies over here look up and see these doors running, right? And they're shocked because this isn't the spiritual boys. These aren't those that are most likely to succeed in the kingdom of God and future preachers and stuff. I mean, this is the runts. And here we come. I passed Doug and I was in the lead. Everything I had. And the girls joined in. And Lori, probably one of the most sensitive at the time, she got out and she started worshiping the dead like Lori knew how to do. And then behind her was her sister, Didi, like Didi used to do. And now they're beginning to dance. All of a sudden, there was an angelic move as this beautiful angel moved out. No, not that angel. Angel with jean skirts began to come out and, and Lois was worshiping God. And Charlotte was out there praying. Now the church realizes it didn't matter that we had a program of everything that was going to go on that Sunday night. And we knew how many songs were going to be sung and when the altar would be, the offering would, we knew all of that. There was no place. But when there were four, not even spiritual young men decided we're going to worship God with everything we got. It changed the service. No song was ever sung in the next two hours. No preaching was ever preached in the next two hours. But young people prayed back through the Holy Ghost, speaking other tongues. People that had never had the Holy Ghost made their way to the altar. Backsliders began to receive from God. Miracles, signs, and wonders began to happen in the place. Four of a kind will trump a full house. When I look back, when I look back, stand with me. When I look back at that service, I now realize that those that jumped in and made gambles, that honestly the leaders looked at me and told individuals that I would never amount to anything, said I'd always be a backslider in and out. But that service, perhaps with others, changed a young man's life. And now, God has been so good to me. And not only me, but behind me was a man that would one day turn out to be a missionary. Unbelievable. The girls, missionary wives, evangelist wife, pastor's wives, ministers, people that are solid in the church. And one after another, I can tell you what turned seemingly on one gamble. Yeah. Come on. 
And individuals decided, even those that were not the most spiritual, that they're going for it. This is the last key to the breakthroughs that have already been happening in this great church and in this powerful youth. You don't even know how powerful you are, young people. But if we could move past that timidity and shut, it doesn't matter if you're the most spiritual or you're three doors. It does not matter. If you just get a gambling in your spirit that God put there, that maybe if I just go for it with everything I've got, that God could do something in my life and make something beautiful and use me for the kingdom of God. Because four of a kind trumps a full house. Now you can talk about all the reasons not. That's full house. All the reasons why you shouldn't worship. I'm not real comfortable moving around because of my size. Or I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert. I understand that. Or my personality or this or that. All the things that we say makes a full house. But, but if there's just inside of you a little bit of a gambling spirit. Come on. Come on. There is no telling that a simple and just buy a lottery ticket a praise and worship in this place today and see what our God will do in your life. If what I see is accurate in the world today, we don't have time for our young people to grow up and have kids and grandbabies. If what I see is accurate. Come on. So God is going to use you All right. right now. You are part of that 12th hour group. <laughs> there are those of us who have toiled in the kingdom all day long and God has allowed giftings to operate within us. But in the last day, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and move in the supernatural. You're a last hour opportunity for the supernatural and the miraculous. who wants to be a gambler today because you got to know when to hold them and know when to fall and you've got to know when to go all in and the spirit is saying who will go all in in praise and work who will get past their personality and their tradition and just go all in with a shout and with a praise and with a worship? I want you to lift your hands all over the place. Lift your hands all over the place. If you're shouting, go ahead and shout. But I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to speak the name of Jesus and I want you to shout hallelujah at the top of your voice. I want you to begin to lift your praise to him and let yourself get loose in the Holy Ghost and see what God will do if you will shout, if you will run, if you will dance. He loves that prayer. By the authority of the word of God and by the power of the name of Jesus, I loose you in the name of Jesus to find liberty in your praise and worship. Come on, young person, you want to? Come on, young lady, you want to dance? Come on, young man, you want to jump? Get loose in the Holy Ghost. 
Come on, that's your praise. Come on, that's your praise. Go forward with everything within you. Okay, listen to me. I feel a breakthrough already happening. And some of you think that you're not worthy enough to praise and worship. It's not about our worthiness, it's about His worthiness. You're not good enough, it doesn't matter, it's about His goodness. And I live for God enough, I don't even have the Holy Ghost. That doesn't matter. He's worthy of praise and worship. Come here, my sister. You're in the black here. I need about three or four ladies that have tremendous compassion for our sister. I see two things that God wants to do for you today, sis. Healing virtue to your physical body and also the situation of your home life where you're at. God wants to move some things, bring angels into the operation and see something super high. Are there about four ladies that know how to pray? Are there about four intercessors that know how to intercede? What about you, young man? Your sister got the Holy Ghost today. You want to get the Holy Ghost? Get on down here. I know about four people that want to pray you through the Holy Ghost. Anybody got faith that this young man will see the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues? Somebody join with him in prayer? Whatever you need, get on down here and let four of a kind chop a full house. church link up with someone right now step away from your seats come get in the altar begin to worship like you know how begin to dance like you know how come on god giving you a spirit of power within you hallelujah come on hallelujah all hands in all hands in hallelujah
If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part.